0: Rise and shine! Pour yourself a cup of coffee, and tune in to Good Morning Aurora. News, weather, and really cool interviews Monday through Friday from eight to nine a.m. I'm all right. I'm doing okay today. Uh, it's a nice, uh, sunshiny yet cold Thursday. It's all right. Pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. So you've been up early. Okay. So I, I've been working from home as a lot of people have been since March. Right. What do you do? Um, I work for
1: a company that makes UV curable coatings for fiber optics. Okay. I'm a product manager. I started back in 1997 as a chemist. Wow. And I was in uh, sales and marketing for a while and I was in regulatory affairs management as a manager and, the, and now I'm a product manager. I've been that since
0: 2015. Oh wow, very cool. So uh always working not just for the people, but you know doing your doing your thing. That's cool. <laughs> oh, th- Thank you. Well, they were going to allow me to to work
1: fifty percent with full benefits if I won. So that was wow. You know, I was planning to take the state pension, so it was really you know, it was really because I wanted to
0: serve right
1: because I, I care about
0: Illinois. Okay um so here's what we're gonna do we are going to uh let me grab my trusty pen here so what we'll do is um we will talk and take the interview um how we do it normally Uh, i get to know you as you are uh, who you are as an individual um hopefully someday we can sit down at one of our locations and do a uh, face-to-face interview but what we'll do today is we'll learn about you yourself um, and then we will uh just talk about the race a little bit what it was like for you, um, you know, getting out there, meeting the folks, and everything during pandemic season. Okay. Um, so, uh, first off, uh, who are you and where you're from? I'm from Jeanette. I am Jeanette Ward. I <laughs> Is that a Washington, town, Jeanette? Unincorporated, <laughs> un- un- uh, at North Avenue 59, right
1: across from St. Andrew's Golf Course. Okay, um, up here. I ran for State Senate District 25, as probably your, your viewers know. Yep. And that starts up at Elgin, South Elgin. It's got three precincts up there. It goes all the way south to Yorkville. The uh, eastern border is roughly Route 59 with some gerrymandered uh, enclaves in there. Right. And then it, out to some cornfields past uh, Route 47.
0: Okay. Very cool. Um, and uh, growing up, what impacted your dad? Have on your life?
1: Um, Well, I grew up in rural Pennsylvania, so Northeast PA, where every kid had the first day of deer season off of school. And my dad worked construction. Uh, My mom and dad wanted one of them to stay home with us, and so my mom was the stay at home dad. And my a uh, stay-at-home mom rather, and my dad was the the provider. He worked. He worked construction. So he had. He was laid off in the winter time, and in order to put food on the table for us, he would hunt deer. the The game warden knew who he was and what he was doing, and so just let him let him do that. So right. my dad was a good provider for my family, and for our family growing up, I had two brothers and. Uh, I I still have a good relationship with my dad. A shout-out to my dad because he's a Vietnam veteran, and it was Veterans Day yesterday, and I'm very thankful for his service and for the service of both my grandfathers who fought in World War II. My dad was a Marine in Vietnam, and he enlisted,
0: and I'm proud of him. Congratulations. Yeah, happy happy Veterans Day uh, to your dad. Wow. And you had two grandparents in World War II. Tell us, about, tell us about them. one was in Okinawa, and I believe the other one wasn't in Germany. Wow. I
1: actually have a, um, a relic from that. I have my great-great-grandfather, uh, great, great so World War I, Ithaca Featherweight uh, Shotgun. Really? kind of fun. It <laughs> <laughs> isn't worth anything because, you know, my dad kind of modified it and stuff like that. But it's kind of fun to have that, you know, sentimental
0: thing. Well, yeah, it's a, it's a... Good keepsake, good heirloom. It's got it's got its value definitely for the family. Uh, so you grew up in PA. Yep,
1: northeast PA, rural northeast PA, um, in the Poconos.
0: It's called. Okay, why is it called that?
1: I I do not know how they came up with uh, that that name, but the Pocono <laughs>
0: Mountains. It's it's the, that's the area. Oh okay. Um, so what brought you? How did you go from PA to Illinois? Well,
1: first I went west, then I came back east, and ah. ended up in, in, the, in the center. So I got my bachelor's of science degree in environmental resource management from Penn State, um, and then I was applying to grad school. I, I applied in a bunch of areas, and one of them was Reno, Nevada. Um, and So I have my master's of science in environmental chemistry from the University of Nevada, Reno, I spent two and a half years. While I was there, by the way, I got to know Sharon Engel. I don't know if you remember her, uh, but she ran against Harry Reid in 2010, Senate Majority Leader Harry Reid for U.S. Senate. Wow. Anyway, she and I became uh, very good friends uh, while I was there, and we still talk uh, often. Um, And by the way, she is heavily involved in the effort in Nevada to... um, Get rid of fraud. I'll put it that way. Okay. Order fraud. Anyway, so as I was finishing my master's of science degree in Nevada, there became uh, there came a job open here at uh, DSM DesoTech was the name of the company at the time. Okay. And I interviewed there, and they made me an excellent offer, and so I came here. So I started out in Northeast PA, went all the way west to Reno, Nevada, and then I came back to the essentially the middle of the United States, and I've been in the Chicago area ever since then, which was about nineteen ninety seven.
0: Okay, uh, so for the list, so for anybody who doesn't know, what's the biggest difference, first of all, between PA and Nevada?
1: Well, uh, so Northeast PA has got it's it's kind of got. Um, maybe a bit of a
0: redneck culture i would say
1: okay so you know like i mentioned everyone's got the the kids have the first day of deer season off i hunted um from the time i was 12 till i was 16 and it's old it's kind of old coal mines there right so that that culture is kind of some of the people you know i i was born in northeast pa i'll die here that's the kind of thing right when you go Feel right, um, just a newer culture, people are kind of uh very into freedom mm-hmm. and into you know doing whatever they feel called or inspired to do, right? And it's not so much um stuck in a particular culture. I love the culture of the west, okay. I loved I loved Reno, Nevada,
0: really, All right? yeah, loved it. It's um. It, it, the West has its own culture, which is probably why for American history for so long, traveling West was right. always seen as uh, you know, the new thing, the hip thing, right. let's do that, the, the land of opportunities. In, in America, it was known as the land of opportunity. Is that mm-hmm. a fair statement?
1: Yeah, yes, I, I would say so. It, the the culture is a lot freer. Um, people are not kind of stuck in the mud as, as much as, you know, the Midwest has got its own culture. It does. Yeah. It, 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 it's different than Northeast PA, uh, but it it's also very different than the West.
0: Are there no similarities between the Midwest and Northeast PA?
1: Uh, yes, I would say the Midwest is more similar to Northeast PA um, in the sense that many people were born here, are from here, and
0: have no interest in leaving here i'm gonna stay in batavia until i die (laughs) except except
1: recently you know when the state is in such a ridiculous um financial situation now a lot of people are, are are leaving obviously mostly the producers people who work hard and and don't want their their increase in what they produce taken from them
0: right interesting um now, do you maintain any links with friends out in, uh, in the West or uh, PA? Go back to visit. Yes.
1: So, like I said, my very dear friend Sharon Angle is one of the spearheads in the effort to root out fraud in, in Nevada, voter fraud. She and I talk uh, fairly often, at least uh, right now we're talking every couple of days. But uh, when there's not something going on, we're, we talk probably once or twice a, a month or so. Um, I also have family in northeast pa that's where my dad and my brother live there and um, my mom i uh, she lives in north carolina in the summertime and then in Florida in the wintertime with my stepdad
0: gotcha gotcha um i have not been to uh not been to pa but i've been to i've been to Nevada. so I think i need to uh maybe take a trip someday out to pa and see what the See what it's all about. Let's check it out.
1: Well, yeah, so I have a joke about Northeast PA. And, uh, it, it, you know, it's like there's a big mountain there that has a whole bunch of junk cars on it. It's it, between uh, Scranton and Wilkes-Barre.
0: Uh, I, I have a joke. There's where cars go to die. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Um, all right. So the 25th. Fifth Senate District. Well, before we get to that, actually, um, what made you want to become politically involved?
1: Well, um, several years before I decided to run for anything, I was on my way to work one day listening to Dan Croft in the morning, hmm. and I had heard I heard that my school district, which was U forty six, had decided to hire a chief of equity and social justice for $134,000, and I just, my my jaw just hit the floor in the car. I'm like, what? I was flabbergasted that they would hire a position with a title so far to the left like that. What does a chief of equity and social justice do anyway? And why are we paying them $134,000? So from that point on, I started attending every school board meeting. Right. And and making public comment where it made sense. And school board meetings are kind of ninety percent boredom and ten percent. What the heck just happened? Right. Yeah. <laughs> what did you just say? <laughs>
0: you know. Right. And
1: so I had some a group of people who had asked me to run long before I did because my kids are, were young at the time and I, I wanted to be there for them. And also for me, because you never get that time back. Right. Um, by the way, they're, they're 14 and,
0: and 16 now. Shout out to the kids.
1: So, yeah, my daughters, they're, they're such a blessing. They really helped me a lot in the campaign. Um, but back to, to how I got involved. So I started attending school board meetings, making public comment when it made sense, and people asked me to run. And it was probably two cycles where I kept just, you know, paying attention and uh, and then decided to run. And that was in 2015. Okay. There was a property tax increase that had galvanized people to get seriously involved in the school board race. As an aside, I wish that people would pay attention to their local school boards because that is 70 to 80 percent of your property tax. Right. If you're upset with your property taxes increasing, start paying attention to your school board. Um, anyway, so I ran in 2015 there was a property tax increase that, that caused a lot of people to be uh, engaged we ran four conservative candidates and three made it on the board so we nearly flipped it Okay. so one of those positions was a two year position um, the other two, mine and uh, another fellow they were four year positions so two years from then um, the, the, the conservative, his name is Cody Holt um, and by the way, he's still very involved
0: in politics. He's a great guy. Shout out to Cody Holt. Shout out Cody Holt. Um, okay. All right. You can shout, uh, feel free to shout out, by the way. Go ahead, just do your thing. <laughs> anyway, he, he lost his bid for re election.
1: He, he later became the chairman of the Kane County Young Republicans, and now he's heavily involved in Kane County Republican Party uh, politics. So he oh. lost his bid for re election in 2017. And then um, I and a team of three others that I had asked to run for school board, we lost our reelection bid in 2019. Okay. So that was April of 2019. Um, then I noticed that this position for Senate District 25 became available, and so I decided to run for that. Um, it went by nine points for Republican Jim Oberweiss, Right. Uh, in 2016, so it was. It certainly looked like a winnable district, and so fast forward, and I I, I lost the uh, election last week.
0: By how many votes?
1: Well, that's a funny. You should ask. So on election night, it was 18 votes. Right. The next day, it was 1100 votes. The day after that, it was 1400 and changed. The day after that, it was 1600 and changed, and it keeps changing uh, day by day. Interesting, interesting to say the least.
0: What would be the main reason for the um, the increase in the vote total day by day, as we've been seeing? Um, I've been told it's because of uh, the counting of uh, mail-in ballots coming after. Yeah, that is, is that correct. Yeah. So ballots that are postmarked um, on election day or or earlier have right. until the seventeenth, so two weeks from. Election night to be counted. Right. Okay. So pres- presumably some of those ballots are still coming in, still being counted. Which means that your total or the the margin could could narrow and your total could go up. Correct.
1: But you you might know that most Republicans like to vote on election day. Right. Generally. Right. Or vote early. It's I, the margin isn't. Uh,
0: changing in a good direction for me. Right. So. Um, I did concede on a Thursday of last week. I noticed that. Um, yeah. So, in in your in your personal opinion, uh, nationwide, what would you say or identify as an issue in the voting system?
1: Well, I think there are several issues. Mm. Um, the fact that. This postmark thing—you know—that's been in the national news. Yeah. Postal workers post-dating things, marking mm-hmm. ballots. That that whole system is ripe for fraud to take place, right? So that that's that's one issue. Um, the fact that you don't have to give an ID, right? We have to give an ID for every other thing we do in life. Just drive a car, buy a house. Right. How is it? That uh, and I, you, you need an ID to go to school, right? Elementary school, middle school, high school, you need an ID. How is it that we don't
0: require an ID to vote? Right. Yeah, I mean, every time I go get my little Cabernet from Benny's, they're always asking me for my ID. You know what? With... Right.
1: <laughs> you know, Prager, uh, Prager, you did a really. Um, I think it was Prager University did a great video. Uh, <laughs> Interviewing, they interviewed a group of, of uh, white folks hey, uh, mm-hmm. what do you think about voter ID uh, laws and these, these were white liberals and they all said, oh it's racist to require an ID mm-hmm. and, and so then they, they kind of went into I guess it's called the, the hood yeah. you know, or for lack of a better word and interviewed <laughs> a bunch of uh, black folks mm-hmm. and they asked them, do you have an ID? well yes I have an ID is it hard to get an ID? No, I have the, the DMV's right over there. It's not hard to get an ID. Right. And, and they asked them, so what do you think um, when people say that black folks have a hard time getting an ID? And, and they said, well, well, I say that's kind of
0: racist. Right.
1: Uh-huh. I think it
0: is. So, and, and this is going to be purely speculation, but I do need an opinion from you on this. So, why do you, what happened? to make the uh, showing him an ID or having him an identification in the voting process such a uh you know a a, a, a tenuous issue what would happen with that how that how that become a thing and well, you, and you may not I and you think, may not know you know I
1: think that if there's one party who has put policies in place that allow for the increase in fraud There's one party that has done that. Now, why would that one party do that? I think they may have a personal interest, right, in making sure that as many of those folks get get to vote, whether they're legal or not legal.
0: Right. Um, One of the things that I've always kind of kept my eye on in regards to uh candidates and um and what they stand for and, and things like that is uh you know transparency and um fairness would you say so besides the vote besides the idea issue that we were talking about would you say that uh in in our county would you say that uh we do have equality and fairness in the in the uh, access of voting? Oh absolutely yeah, I I can't imagine anyone say they it claiming that they don't have access to be able to vote. I've heard it before. Heard it before. Really? Yep. Heard it before. That's what, you know, this is my first, you know, this is my first time talking to you and it's I've not had a lot of uh experience talking to politicians. I've always been the I'm just a blue-collar dude. So I, you know, I'll listen to what people say and then I'll do a little research and see if it cuts the mustard. Um and hearing people say that, but not having anything to push back on, it, that's why I thought I'd I'd ask you about it because I I had no issues. Uh, I didn't have any issues voting. You know, I thought it was a I pretty. I is trying to get you to register to vote. Facebook, Twitter, and,
1: and it's, it's an ad. If you if you go uh, search on the internet, register right. to vote. I, I just I, I don't understand how people can claim that it's it's hard to register to vote. You can vote, on, register, and vote on the same day.
0: Right. I mean, come on! Right. Um, what is your what's your current assessment of the uh, of national politics? Where's the country at right now?
1: Well, I'm I'm concerned for our country. I, I love America as as I know you do, and uh, thank you by the way for having me on your show and for your patience with my. Uh, can't make it because I didn't know I had to come in. It was very kind of you to to allow me to join by by Zoom.
0: Small um, potatoes. I love yeah.
1: America, um, and I'm worried that we are very divided. And I'm worried that the press as a whole is aligned with one party. It, it is not interested in truth telling anymore. It is interested in pushing an agenda instead of telling the truth. And when that happens, I'm concerned that if, if President Trump is successful in his challenge, which he may be, he may be, there's a lot of fraud, evidence of fraud out there. Then what happens when the mainstream media has already declared a winner? What happens if, if President Trump is successful and challenging and he he wins the electoral votes? I, I'm worried about what happens in our country.
0: Um, So, question here. I've noticed when it comes to me, so uh, for, for the listeners, I get my, I like all kinds of stuff. Um, I'm a big um, Cato Institute guy. Uh, I'm a C-SPAN junkie. Um I love my NBC at night. I can't go to sleep unless I do a little Lawrence O'Donnell. Um so the so to the notion that the media and the narrative is dominated by one party I see media being created by people who identify with both parties. Am I wrong in that? I don't feel the media is dominated by one party. What's, what's, you know, what, am I not, what am I not getting?
1: So, I, you have to, to work hard to get an alternative opinion. What comes at you if you search Google is one side. If you go on Twitter, there's all these comments every time you make a tweet. And it, it, try to retweet Trump and see what happens. There's, only, there's always a little comment there now. We've determined that, that uh, Biden is the projected winner. Right. Is that fair? Is that? Come on. Any Anywhere you search, it's, it's one side. You have to work hard to get the alternative opinion both sides are not presented it's the same kind of stuff i saw in the in the textbooks when i was on the school board i i used to take screenshots and 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 say to parents are you aware of what your children are being taught this is so one-sided and unbalanced and that's how the mainstream media has become
0: all right okay in your opinion when did that when did it become that way? When did it stop being open and and uh, you know free, free and open media for everybody to access and get their stuff? Where, when did it? When did that happen? I think it's
1: been a slow creep over uh,
0: a long time. Okay. In the last
1: twenty years or or more.
0: Would you say that social media has impacted that? Well,
1: the internet and social media have have allowed for alternative sources more, which is great. And that's why the, the left seems intent on trying to control that now. Hmm. Your, your search engine is Google, often by default. You have to work to go find another search engine that actually gives you results that are responsive to the query you made.
0: Interesting. You've got, you know what, this is uh, quite a conversation here. (laughs) Well, these are the kind of things that I talk about with my friends and my colleagues all day long. Um, Because, you know, I, again, I do believe that, I believe in independent media, first of all. You know, I I believe that there should, I should be, I believe there should be no big brother uh filtering what somebody can say when they can say it, what they should say what tenor of level they should talk about it uh I really agree. yeah i try to just conduct a fair balanced basic podcast with the with the positive message so you know the questions that i'm asking right now they're not because i don't believe it i'm just really looking to see like where am i wrong in my perception of some of these media companies or you know is there anything that i'm missing what do, uh, what's what's your outlets where do you get your news from
1: um so i've started listening to war room war Okay. um you know because the, the 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 normal media just comes it's on the radio it's on the, right. the tv you know i don't have to go looking for it there it is right so you have to look for the alternative sources so war room Warroom.org, which is also now America's Voice, I, I, okay. I guess. Um, like from my Twitter feed, from friends, from Facebook, from my my own searches, Newsmax, okay, uh, Epic Times, okay. In, in addition to what I just get by listening,
0: I don't hear Good Morning Aurora in there. What's going on? You don't get your news from? <laughs> 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 we're gonna we're gonna get there. We'll get. Yeah. Well, the interesting thing about, or maybe the good thing
1: about those sources I just mentioned, is they they tend to present both sides out of necessity. Right. Because they they say, here's what these guys say, here's what
0: the truth is. Right. You know? Yeah, exactly. Um, So the concern that we both have for the country in regards to the division and perhaps the lack of civility. Um, yep. I personally don't believe that that's something that can be fixed by an election. Would you agree? Fully
1: agree. It okay. exists and is playing out. Um, the election just adds to it.
0: That's a good point. That's a yeah. good point. Yeah, the election just adds to it. People are stuck in their little their little trenches with their flags and there's not much, uh, much coming together. Um, yeah, lots of tribalism. So here's a good question for you. If you... So you're—it's inauguration day for you. You're president. What's the first thing you're doing? Step day one. Act on day one. Unify. I send a message of, of unity. That's a good. That's a message needed right now. Yes. Very sorely needed. Um, do you find and have you found when you met with people uh, when you were campaigning and things like that? What was the reception like? Well,
1: actually, it was it was very positive. Um, at doors and, and I, I walked a, a lot I, I walked and knocked on a lot of doors I was walking, I took half days on Tuesday and Thursday and I was walking all day Saturday and Sunday and then closer to the election I was half days off work every day and then Saturday, all day Saturday, all day Sunday and when you and I, I always approach a door with a lot of respect so I knock on the door I would back up as far as I possibly could and still be seen by, right. by the person opening the door out of respect to them and, and, and that kind of thing. And the, the reception, I would say, was overwhelmingly positive, even from, you know, the other party. Because so I, I did knock on some uh, of those doors, too. And I would always thank them for talking with me.
0: Right. If you
1: know, They said, I voted for your opponent. I would say, well, it's very kind of you to have a conversation with me. I'm glad that you answered your door and you talked with me. What was,
0: um, what, was, what's, what, was, what was your message? What was your message? You knock on my door. Here I am. I'm undecided. What's the message from Jeanette Ward? Well, I'm running
1: to protect freedom, faith, and family in Illinois, which means lower taxes, less government regulation, um,
0: and I, I'm also pro-life. What's the biggest problem that, well, we, financial is, is the mm-hmm. biggest issue, but uh, what's second tier to Illinois' woes? Um,
1: so it's, it's like first, second, and third tier, right? It's <laughs> taxes, taxes, and taxes. Okay. That's, why, that's why we have one of the highest out-migration rates in the country, and that is the number one thing that people mention. And then there's corruption, which is really a stealth tax. Because when you're paying your electric bill to ComEd or your your gas or whatever to, to run your house, and part of that money is being slipped under the table by graft to, uh,
0: you know, the Speaker of the House who's been in power for 35 years. You're talking that about the, uh, the yeah. in higher electric rates. That's a stealth tax,
1: so that he can he can hire people who don't have to work for whatever position he puts them in. Right, so not only are taxes overall tax rates
0: some of the highest in the country, but this kind of stuff is going on too. Yeah, you're speaking about the uh, the federal probe that I think it, I think it was what it's, it's House Speaker number one was the innocuous. Right. It was an yeah, innocuous public, title. Official A. That's official what. Official A. Who is the Speaker of the House of
1: Representatives? Hmm. Now
0: who is that? Um. You know, I talk to you, I listen. Um, I've always been the type of person who thought that uh, there was not too much graph and correct, not enough to be swept under. You know, I, I, I always believed, perhaps naively, that most people in politics are out to do their very best for their constituents may look haphazard, maybe they maybe they think that people need green mushrooms in their lawn and they actually don't but I've always believed that people in politics are doing the absolute best for their constituents. Would you say that's a fair assessment?
1: Well, I I, I don't think so, not in Illinois. Really?
0: Oh. Huh. And we're yeah. talking about like even
1: I mean, if, if you're, <laughs> take the speaker, right? You've been in power for 35 years in office since 1971, two years before I was born. Right. Wow. So he's a he's a career politician, and he's implicated in this bribery scheme, where a agrees to pay 200 million dollars in fines. They admit it, and and one of their officials was recently indicted. You can't tell me that a person who's been in office that long and is Obviously, doing this kind of stuff cares about constituents, and that is that is his motivation. Quite obviously, it is not his motivi- motivation. And and then when you own a property tax law firm, relief law firm, you know you, you're getting paid for re- reducing the, the, the taxes that
0: you help create. Wow, that's that's a really nice gig, isn't it? All right, that's a good point. Uh, I was so I I was uh, you know. I, not the speakers of the house you know the politicians like uh you know representatives those people seeking office that's you know that's the kind of person i was referring to i think that they most you know mostly try to do their very best and they're not corrupt well take my
1: opponent for example Hmm. she ran uh millions of dollars worth in ads claiming that i'm against uh covering pre-existing conditions Citing a tweet that I made in 2018 from my at Jeanette for Senate Twitter account. My at Jeanette for Senate Twitter account didn't exist in 2018. She made it up out of whole cloth. It was a complete lie and fabrication. I told that to news media outlets and they refused to cover it i've included that in several interviews you cannot tell me that a person who blatantly lies like that cares about the constituents you don't care enough to tell your constituents the truth you don't care about the truth all you cared about was what it took to get elected right and and your party did some kind of that determine, hey, people care about pre-existing conditions. So we're gonna say my opponent doesn't doesn't want those covered. And truth be
0: damned. Um how how big of a how how big of an issue is money in
1: politics? Well, my opponent took one point four million in campaign contributions you know, b- before the, the end of all this. She outspent me uh, three th- more than three million dollars, and I and my on my behalf was seven hundred thousand. So she was successful in propagating the the lie that uh, I didn't care about pre existing conditions and I don't want them covered, and she won.
0: Um.
1: So politics is a megaphone in in. I'm sorry, money is a megaphone in politics. It's what enables you to get your message
0: out. Money is a megaphone in politics. That's a quote. You know what, that Jeanette, that's, that's very strong. <laughs> megaphone in politics, wow. Um, the time is now 9.35 a.m. And you are listening to Good Morning Aurora, the second largest city's first daily news podcast. So we are glad to be joined by Jeanette Ward. Hey <laughs> um, So before we get on to uh, your time on the school board, I do have to say that your your message is a message that resonates with a lot of people and a lot of the friends that I have um, believe in they so let me kind of start off. they say that there's a lack of faith, a lack of family. Um, and I, I think that there's been a trend towards, you know, I think that religiosity, um, I think the country's a little bit less religious than it used to be, but I really don't see the, the lack of family and faith that, that poignant. I mean, I live in an area with a lot of churches. to me. I see the, you know, I see the folks going to mass all the time. Um, you know, what, what's, what am I missing? So are, are, are you asking uh, whether I believe that people care about freedom, faith, and family? Yeah, that's what I'm... Yes, yes.
1: So uh, I think they do. I, I think that the majority of, of people do. But they seem sometimes unable to connect their election, their election choices with outcomes. So for freedom and for families. Like I said, we we have one of the highest overall tax rates in the country. Yet, folks keep voting for Democrats in Illinois.
0: What's wrong with oh. Democrats? I'm a Democrat. What's wrong with What's? <laughs> well, keep increasing your taxes. Oh, this is great. Like, like, <laughs> I don't right. understand. Oh, yeah. It, yeah. There's a disconnect.
1: A does not equal B. So, so Illinois has profoundly defeated the, the Progressive Tax uh, Amendment proposal. That's fantastic. Right. Right? But you kept voting for people who put that on the ballot, who supported that initiative. So you don't want your taxes increased, but you keep voting for the people who increase your taxes. That doesn't make any sense.
0: Right. Um, Are there any other places in the country that have seen the kind of exodus from their states like Illinois has? Well, it's
1: the the, other blue states, right? It's the the same thing. (laughs) Those, like New York, those folks put in a high tax policy. People aren't going to stay there. Fortunately,
0: Um I look at downstate Illinois, I look at um I look at, you know, central Illinois, there's so much rural area out there um and it looks like they they suffer from a lack of um develop. have you been to central and southern Illinois?
1: I've been to Springfield and I've driven through southern Illinois, you know, on the way to North Carolina to visit my my folks.
0: Mhm. Um what do you think when you're out there? Well, it's it's a beautiful country.
1: Lots of lots of
0: farms and, and cornfields and windmills on Route sixty five, right? <laughs> <laughs> Good old windmills. Um I believe that uh maybe instead of leaving the state, folks should double down their efforts and develop the rural parts of the state, and make it more you know, make it more um Accessible to green energy initiatives and things like that, and uh, those kind of things that would create lasting, sustainable jobs to take us into the future. Is that a naive notion? Well,
1: you know, for me personally, what, what would uh, be a deciding factor in where I could move or develop or, or go to is finding a job, right? right. right. So. I, it's there's not a lot of jobs in the chemical industry available for me in Southern Illinois. Right. And so that you know, I assume that's also true for for other folks. Yeah. You know, unless we're all going to start working remotely, which, by the way, that that is a, a changing. It, it may allow us anybody to work from anywhere.
0: Right. It's becoming that way. So now maybe you can. You can farm on the side. I, <laughs> farm I, from I, your computer, right? like <laughs> I'm growing crops, ma. Just right-click. Farmers work very, very hard, and that's no disrespect to, to farmers because I don't think you can farm part-time. That's <laughs> very true. It was you know to the farmers out there, we respect you. Yeah. That was just a little jokey yes. joke. <laughs> I,
1: I know that you can't do that
0: part-time. <laughs> so, um, how has COVID nineteen affected your um, your your life and what you do?
1: It's breaking my heart to see my kids in front of their computers all day, crying in frustration at least once, twice, maybe three times a week because they're trying to learn math and it's the, the mode or the, the, the way of turning in their answers instead of the actual math itself that, that is making them so frustrated. They understand the concept but they're stuck on, well, I can't get this calculus symbol to appear on my computer in the right way to turn it in. Right. Or, I, I can't turn in my test because my inter- my, all of a sudden my internet connection is unstable. Or, why can't I see my friends? Right. I, I've never seen anything like this where people are so willing to give up their freedom. There, there have to be other... Parents of of different political persuasions, whose heart breaks for their kids stuck at home, no sports. I mean, my, my kids, unfortunately, were able to do golf and cross country. Those sports were allowed. Thank you, Governor Prisker. But the the football, all, the rest of the sports. This is this is unconscionable. What we are doing to a generation of children.
0: But people. This is going oh. to
1: affect for the rest of their lives. This is so dysfunctional.
0: You say people willing to give up their freedom. They're not willing. There's a, uh, it's a health epidemic going on, right?
1: Well, the survival rate is 99.9%. Is that an epidemic? A few months ago, the CDC said it didn't even rise to the level of epidemic, let alone
0: pandemic um to your point about to your point about those those moments especially in developing with kids school friends the experience I'm having a hard time in school my teacher comes here to help me out you are right there is no replacing that um, I do feel sometimes that if there were, a national mask mandate, maybe this wouldn't be so hard to manage. What do you think about that?
1: I am against a mask mandate. I think we ought to be free to decide whether we wear a mask or not, and that all the data should be presented. You know, um, a while back, Fauci said that masks weren't necessary, right in the beginning. Oh, now this, all of a sudden they are. There, are. there is data that indicates, first of all, they're ineffective. A virus, it's like putting up a chain link fence to prevent a mosquito from flying through. And they concentrate bacteria and viruses right at your face all day. So they're ineffective and they, they harm the wearer. So why are we mandating them? I think people ought to be free to decide whether they want to wear a mask or not. And certainly the legislature should have been involved. We have a governor who's making executive orders and declaring disasters based on a law that clearly never gave him the authority to do that. His authority ended on April 7th. It said that a disaster may be Declared for a period not to exceed 30 days. It is clear the legislature who put that order Put that law in place did not intend for Successive disaster upon disaster upon disaster to be declared otherwise that law has no meaning And he's continued to act like a king and Hasn't called in the legislature to consult with that is a lack of representation We elected those people, right? And yet he continues to make edicts without consulting the people's legislature.
0: It's not right. Is J.B. Prisker the worst governor Illinois has had? (laughs) Well,
1: I don't know. I don't know about that. We're having a contest for worst. I I don't know. I'd have to sit down and study that. (laughs) It's like the.
0: Levels in hell or something. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Dante's Inferno. <laughs> um, you know, I uh, when it comes to the masks and uh, the the uh, mask mandates and things like that, and the uh, the mitigation efforts and the the locking down and then the coming back in phases. I do. I live in Aurora. I do see that. Um, I feel that my local government has handled things efficiently. Our cases are on the rise now in Kane, DuPage and Will Counties, I believe. Um, but I do believe that they handled things at the beginning of the pandemic. I lost my job, the business I had, we had to close and board up, unfortunately. Not to reopen. I'm sorry to hear that. Yeah, not to reopen. We got no um, no assistance in what's whatsoever from any of the PPP programs or whatever um but i do feel that things were handled in a way as efficiently as possible is is there any good that you see from um the levels of government during this pandemic time that you can say that you know what those were some pretty good moves made not and it's not a you know it's not an endorsement of um of policies or anything like that you know just Kudos in any way.
1: So I think we have data that indicates the the virus follows a, a path, regardless if you shut down, put masks on or not. Look at Sweden, right? So I, I don't. I think that's a cure. Sweden has half the population. That we've been doing is worse
0: than the disease. The Swedes have we half, have half the, the population. Destroying, destroying
1: people's livelihoods.
0: Okay. But the Swedes have half our population.
1: Mm-hmm. And how are we supposed to develop herd immunity if, if, we, if we're not out with each other? I think we need to protect the, protect the vulnerable population, for sure. But when the rest of us are losing our jobs and our restaurants and our kids are stuck at home in a very dysfunctional way of delivering education, this is bad for society is worse than the disease suicides have increased nobody talks about that my my husband's very good friend from college his wife he's his wife just committed suicide and I've heard that story again and again this is very destructive for society and remember when the goal was
0: flatten the curve flatten the curve we're going to flatten the curve I, I, I remember we'll the curve. I remember that hashtag I do we've
1: Months ago, but they keep moving the, the goalposts. Now we can't open until there's a vaccine. For a virus that has a ninety-nine point nine percent survival rate. That's crazy.
0: So here's the thing. We 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 we've had that, but then we also heard our president tell Bob Woodward that it's worse than the flu. How can there be two conflicting narratives from the I person that, in charge? I
1: think that that was the information he had at the time.
0: Okay. If that's the information he had at the time, why could it be route to nail Fauci for his statement in February and not having that change as well?
1: Well, unfortunately, this whole thing is, is not... It, it's not only involved in what's doing best for society, what's doing best for consist, constituents. Sure. It is a political football. So political figures have made political calculations and decided what, they, what they're what they gonna do based on um, how is this also, because, because if you're not in power, you don't get to make any decisions,
0: right? <laughs> Losers don't legislate. Well, there you go. Hey, there you <laughs> Well said. The uh, To the victor go the spoils, right? Uh, yes. What's the other one? Uh, you know, history is written, written by the, the winners, they say. I think mm-hmm. that was the other statement. Interesting. Um. So, I want to ask you about the school board. I read an article. I'd like to ask you about it. In 2017, you opposed expanding dual language. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Why?
1: Because I believe that it it hamstrings immigrants coming to this country because how it was being implemented, and I had multiple stories of this in, in U46, is that instruction was 100% in Spanish. And it wasn't about dual language. It was about <clears throat> keeping people dependent on the language of origin of their country. And that is not fair to those people. For them to be fully functioning members of our society they need to to learn English well. I want them to succeed. I want their children to succeed. And I didn't think based on what I heard from various teachers who were afraid to say this publicly on how it was actually being done. There's the theory and then there's the actuality.
0: Right. Interesting. That's why. Um you know i i really like the fact that people can come to this country and make something of themselves um that there is a um that there is a a system perhaps imagined or thought of that if one contributes works hard you put into the you know like a salad you bring some cucumbers i got tomatoes he's got the onions the next thing you know we're we're eating a uh, a garden salad. But there are those that say that to um I'll use the word force even though I'm not gonna stand by the comment the moment. like there are those that say that to force people to conform to the national identity rather than allow them to keep some of their um native habits. Um is yeah, a I'm is so a form just of so you're clear, is, I am not for forcing people I'm not to I, not a, that's that's not even where I was going with, you know that's that statement's on me no there are those that say that um that it is a form of oppression to force people to not have their native habits you weren't doing that that's not what I was saying um would you would you would you agree though that people sh- you know people should be free to like retain some of their natural absolutely stuff yeah absolutely what but to succeed in
1: America you need to you need to, to know and speak English well. And I I want them to succeed.
0: I have a feeling that those initial school board meetings that you went to, where you saw the ins and outs, really lit a fire under you. Yes, that is what got me started. Yes. <laughs> I've been um in this in this conversation, the uh, the when we touched on education, school, and the school boards and teachers and parents, um, that's those seem to be the ones that really uh, bring out the passion in you. <laughs> yeah, well, because I am a parent, and I, I, we we love our girls more than anything. Right. Um, not just in your school district, but perhaps if you know of others, is there a lack of parent participation?
1: To some degree that does that does make me a little sad um you know i think as a culture we have abdicated our responsibility to raise and to teach our children it is our responsibility as parents first first and foremost it is not the responsibility of the state to to raise and to teach your children that's your responsibility and i i see people handing handing that over to others and not understanding or caring much about what their kids are learning. And that that's heartbreaking to me.
0: What's the biggest political win you had in your time, of in your journey? Well, when I was first
1: um, elected to the U46 school board, I expressed a desire to listen to closed session recordings. Um... To for meetings before I was elected. Now that ought to be the right of all duly elected um, board members. Right. But but the board um, said no, uh, Mrs. Ward. You can't do that. And then they they decided to make a policy and pass by the majority of the board that prevented me from doing that unless they voted as a board to allow me to listen to whatever meeting I wanted to listen
0: to. Unless they allow, unless they voted as a board to allow yeah. you.
1: To allow me to listen to it. So there was one particular uh, meeting that I wanted to hear. Then they were going to destroy that recording. The very one that I wanted to listen to.
0: Because why wouldn't you, right?
1: (laughs) (laughs) So I sued them. And I won. And then on the state level, at the state legislature a law was passed unanimously by Democrats and Republicans that reinforced and codified the right of all duly elected board members to listen to closed session recordings and I would say
0: that was a pretty awesome victory that sounds like an awesome victory and it sounds like a uh, sounds like a great example of Democrats and Republicans coming together to work together well at the state level <laughs> but not on <laughs> Uh, come on, I was looking for a little bit of hope there. A little <laughs> bit of hope. Um, so the time is now 9.56 a.m. You've been listening to Good Morning Aurora, the second largest city's first daily news podcast. And we are glad to be speaking to Jeanette Ward today. Um, what's next?
1: I don't know what's next. I'm, uh, I get to have my afternoons back. I don't have to take time off work now and I have my I get to have my Saturdays and Sundays back I'm uh, I started doing CrossFit more um <laughs> more uh, often which is great <laughs> for me I mean I really enjoy that so it's great to have some of that time back um what's next I don't know we'll see we'll see where the Lord takes me
0: well done the show ends on a positive note what is your message for the um the people today the listeners well as I said in my
1: concession um, I will always fight for freedom faith and family regardless if I'm a private citizen or and I'm, I'm an elected official and I encourage them to do the same and Curtis you are so good at interviewing it's been a pleasure to be on your show and I, I thank you so much for inviting me it's one of the best uh, interviews I, I've had you
0: did an awesome job. I appreciate it. Uh, I want to say Happy Veterans Day to all of the members of your family, uh, and especially the members of the uh, World War One and the uh, World War Two generation as well. Yep, Veterans Thank you, Day. Curtis. Yep, Veterans Day was yesterday, but we keep it with us every single day. And I wish you the very best. And I appreciate you sitting down to speak uh, to me for an interview. And uh, I hope that you have a good, safe, blessed, motivated rest of the day. And for all of you listeners as well, be blessed, be strong, be motivated, and we will see you guys back here for more great news. Thanks, Jeanette. Thank you, Curtis. Have a great day. Bye.